chapter 2. Today we're, we're going to be right in the middle of a section that we've been going through. The section is all about, well, it's about being invested in one another. It's about loving one another. It's about um, uh, esteeming others better than yourself. If you remember, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of hard when, I, when, you, uh, when we're taking these things in sections. Actually, Paul sat down and he wrote, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote uh, the whole book all as, as one. So uh, it, it's easy for us to take it in sections and, and forget what we've seen before and follow the argument as it goes through, follow the context as it goes through. But we're right in the middle of Philippians chapter 2. We're right in the middle of this section where Paul is talking about, uh, he's talking about uh, esteeming one another better than yourself. If you remember uh, way back in Philippians 2, verse 2 and 3 and 4, um, that had only been a few weeks ago, but he, he said, you know, we, we are to the believers. He was talking to the church at Philippi. You guys are to esteem one another better than yourself. You're, you're to think on the things of one another. It says, don't just think on your own things. Don't just isolate yourself and make yourself independent from each other, but you think on the things of one another. And then from verse five to verse 11, we did that last week. We talked about the example of Christ that he gave us that example where he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he held, he didn't hold on to those things, but he gave those things and <clears throat> was born in the, in the form of a man, took the likeness of men and was, was came and, and humiliated himself by dying on a cross. And, and he gave himself for us and he gave us that example. So today, as we continue on in Philippians chapter two, we're going to pray and ask God to be with us. But uh, remember the context that we're going from. Remember the context that we're in. And we're going to talk today about something that you know already. It's nothing new. It's something and we've talked about many times here before, uh, but it's from a little different perspective. And to be honest with you, I, I had some things that I learned this week as I was studying through this. So let's let's pray and ask God to be with us. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we get to come and to uh, to read your word. Thank you for uh, allowing us to be here, God, the, the honor that it is to come into your presence. We ask God that you would be with the reading of your word, that you would be with the the, the word as it goes forth, be with our hearts as we come, come to listen. We know, Lord, uh, after all the all the study and preparation I've done, Father, if you don't show up and if you don't touch somebody's heart, if you don't let your spirit flow in this place in such a way that it takes that word, really, I'm just going to be giving a lecture. So, God, we need you this morning. We need you to come and we need you to uh, to uh, anoint your word, God, anoint our hearts to hear your word and to to make it powerful to change us today. We thank you for that and we love you in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, so. He's uh, he's talking about unity. He's talking about loving one another. He's talking about and he's talking about within the body of Christ. Now, remember, we know that we're supposed to love our enemies. We know that we're supposed to be kind to those who despitefully use us. Pray for those who, who despitefully use us. We know we're supposed to do that. But here he's talking to the church about the church. He's talking to the Philippians about their local fellowship. He's talking about the church in Philippi. Now, it has meaning for us today. It has meaning for us as we're sitting here together at Christ Church in Brownsville. It has meaning for us in that these are these are your brothers and sisters. These are the fellowship that you've chosen to be a part of. And so what he says to them about their church would apply directly to us in ours. He's not 
necessarily, although we are supposed to be talking about the worldwide church and all those Christians over there in China and all those in Africa, and we pray for those that are persecuted and they are our brothers and sisters. But more, more in line with what he's talking about here is the folks that you see every day, the folks that are in your local assembly. He's telling the Philippians, we already saw that there was a little strife going on. We're going to see that. We're going to see that later on in chapter four. But there was a little strife going on. There's little things going on. And he was teaching them. He's instructing them, telling them, look, you are to be of the same mind. You are to be striving together. You are to be in unity with one another. And you are to think on the things of others, not just on your own things. That means he's saying you're, you're supposed to not just be an independent you that's not dependent on anybody else, that doesn't need anybody else, that just comes and have your own thing and then go and you're, you're not worried about anybody else's things. He's talking about being invested in the lives of the family of the church to which you belong, the local church to which you belong. He's talking about the assembling of yourselves together. And so what he's saying is, you know, you are to humble yourself and I'm to humble myself in the same way. You remember the passage we talked about last week where Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he humbled himself, came in the form as a man, and he was exalted to the right hand of the Father. He humbled himself to the lowest possible state, and he did it for you, he did it for me, and then God the Father exalted him to the highest possible position, giving him a name, which uh, uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. And so he continues right off the heels of that story, right off the heels of that in- illustration, he says he gives him a name that ever at the, at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess to the glory of the father. And then in verse 12, he picks up right after that. He says, wherefore, he said, because of this, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, there is a whole lot right there in them verses. I mean, a whole lot. To be honest, I had a lot of trouble this week about these verses. So let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me let me just kind of tell you where we're going. And then you'll see as we move step by step to get there. Um, what we're going to see today is that at you know, the reality of what we're doing, when we say love one another, when we say, when we say invest yourself in one another, when we say uh, esteem one another better than yourself, he's not just saying, hey guys, pull up your bootstraps and do it. You better, you better start to work at this thing because y'all not doing very good. He's not just saying that. He's basically telling us that you need to be who God has made you to be. You need to be who you are. And we're going to see that over and over again. I'm going to flesh that out. So if you don't quite understand how it says that, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But he also tells us two things that really astounded me this week. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get to them because there's so much in these just just these two verses. We could probably preach about them for the whole time. But over over in the in the next few verses, as we look at those things, he's going to show us two really important things. And those two those two things are if you fail to have unity. If you fail to love one another, if you fail to uh, to invest yourself in one another, you are damaging the testimony of Christ. You are damaging the kingdom of God in the world's eyes. You are damaging your own testimony for Christ. I'm going to show you that from the text. I'm not just making that up. And the second thing that we're going to see if we get down to these verses is that if you continue 
in that life of not investing, of thinking only your own things, I'm talking about investing your life into the life of the church, the life of the believers. When I say church, don't think about the walls and the roof and all that. Think about each other. When I, when we, when we, if you continue in that life that's just independent, doing your own thing, not invested in the life of God's people, not invested in the, the moving of God's kingdom, not invested in all those things, you should rightly examine yourself to whether you be in the faith or not. He's going to say that at the very end of this section. He's going to say, look, guys, please do this. Otherwise, Paul's going to say, when I stand before Christ, it's going to, I'm just going to have run in vain in all the things that I've done for y'all. And so what he says here, we're going to start off by showing this thing is not just, hey, guys, pull up your bootstraps and work. It's about being who you are. Christ has made you perfect in his sight. Therefore, you are to give the same grace to others that you've received. You're to give the same love just as Christ has humbled himself, came, died on the cross, was raised, glorified by the Father. In that same way, you and I are to humble ourselves. That was the purpose of the illustration. So he says, wherefore, it's connected. The very first, the very last thing we saw in verse 11, it says, and that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of the Father. He said, because of this, in verse 12, wherefore, because of this, because of what Jesus did, because of Jesus humbling himself and coming as a man, dying on a cross, being raised again, being glorified at the right hand of the Father. Because of this, wherefore, my beloved children, he said, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Now, what really does that mean? Many people are going to take that to mean this verse is widely used to say working is what gives you your salvation. Lots and lots of people will say, look, Paul even says it himself. You're supposed to work for that salvation. You're supposed to work out that salvation and you're supposed to do it with fear and trembling. Just hoping that you get there, hoping that you do good enough to get your salvation. I submit to you today that that's false. That's not what he's saying. And the verse explicitly says that that's not what he's saying. Look how he connects it with obedience. You see those, all those commas in there? It's kind of a run-on sentence, but it says, Wherefore, my beloved, he said, as ye have always obeyed. And then he says, not just, don't just obey. You didn't just obey when I was there. He said, but now that I'm gone, now that I'm absent, he said, much more. He says, work out your salvation. You see how he connects it with obedience? He said, as you have always obeyed, the command now is work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He, he connects it with obedience. It's kind of weird to say that. If I was writing it, I wouldn't say it like that. I would say, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, continue to obey. As you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now that I'm gone, now much more in my absence, you just continue to obey with fear and trembling. That's how I would put it. But that's not how he puts it. That's, how, that's not how God inspired the writing for it to be. Why would he say instead of, hey, just as you've, in the same way that you've always obeyed, I want you now that I'm gone to continue to obey. Why would he say work out your own salvation? Now, when you think of work out, you, you, you're thinking what I think of. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But when I think about work out, I think about exercise. I mean, I think about working out, you know, and I'm sure that's not what Paul had in mind, but I, that's what it comes to my mind. You're working it out. You're exercising your salvation. He's telling you not just, hey, guys, you better keep on obeying. 
You better keep on doing. He's saying, be who you are. You exercise that salvation. You let that salvation come and be the catalyst to doing what you're supposed to do, doing what you're called to do. You don't just pull it up with your own work and do it. It comes from your salvation. He's not telling you to work for your salvation. He's telling you to work from your salvation. He says, as you've always obeyed, as not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, work out your own salvation. It's got a lot of things that, that are entailed in that. It means for sure, examine yourself, of course. It means examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith or not. It absolutely means that. It also means, you know, you're to, to keep the commands of Christ and you're to live for Christ and you're to love one another and you're to, you just pick your commands, pick your life that you're supposed to follow. It's talking about living for Christ from your salvation. But I want you to see that in the context that Paul is writing right here, the command is so much harder because what he's talking about is talking about being invested in one another. He's talking about esteeming others better than yourself, like we saw in the beginning of this section. He's talking about not thinking about your own things only, but thinking on the things of others as well. And that is a whole lot harder for me. If God would have just said, look, hey, this is what I want you to do. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. You know, don't be committing adultery. Don't kill people. Don't, you know, if he would have just said that. You know, everything would be okay. I wouldn't have no trouble. It'd be okay. I, I, I don't do most of those things anyway. That's kind of debatable when you think about your heart. But anyway, it's just an example. If he would have just said, look, just go about your business and don't do those things that I said don't do, I, I probably wouldn't have as much trouble. But here he's not saying just that. He's saying, what I want you to do is invest your life in each other. I want you to invest yourself in one another. I want you to esteem others better than yourself. That's in verse two and three. I want you to think not on your own things, but on the things of others. And then you you remember the context. He told us those commands. He gave us the example of Christ who did what we're supposed to be doing. And now he says, wherefore, because of those things, just as you've always obeyed when I was there with you, now that I'm gone, all the more you need to be working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so he's talking about, he's talking about, investing yourself. He's talking about esteeming others better than yourself. He's talking about being part of the church. He's talking about this section. is talking about being in unity. Strive to live what he's made you to be. He's made you to be in, in unity with Christ. He's made you to be in union with Christ by his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And you are to strive to continue in that unity. Not that you're going to lose your salvation or anything like that. I hope you've been here long enough to know that's not what we're talking about. But he's saying with fear and trembling, you're working this thing out. You're exercising it. When you, when you, you have muscles that are broken, when you have knee surgery, I've had knee surgery three times. I've had two, two on the right knee and one on the left knee. And every time it's the same thing. What happens is I've had new ligaments put in this one. And they put in new ligaments. Everything I need to walk, and to run, and everything I need to do is right there. It's already there. They've sewed it up. They've attached it. They've done all the things that they do, and it's right there. Every, I have everything that I need to walk and run and do all those things, but I can't use them unless I exercise them, 
Unless I get them moving, unless I start using those things, unless I start bending it. You know, they do rehab and therapy after you have those, those surgeries and they, they call it PT and I, that stands for pain and torture. And what they do is you got to bend and you got to move the thing and you got to do all these exercises. And what they're trying to get you to do is to use what you already have. It's not to give you something that you're lacking. It's, it's, to, it's to strengthen what you've already got inside that leg that they put in there. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying exercise it. Work out that salvation. And of course, I've already told you, it means examine yourself. It does mean that. So when I say to you, hey, you work out your own salvation, I mean you, you examine yourself whether you be the faith or not. I mean that you keep Christ's commands and that you obey him in this and that and the other. But right here, Paul is, is, uh, he is uh, exhorting the Philippians. Esteem one another better than yourself. Live in unity with one another. Connect with each other and invest your lives in one another. Don't live each man on his own things. Don't seek after just your own things. It's not saying you're not supposed to seek after your own things. It says, let each man not seek after his own things, but also the things of others. And so he says, he's telling them, look, now that I'm gone, you obeyed when I was there. He said, but now that I'm gone, remember he's in prison in Rome. He's saying, you continue all the more to work out your salvation amongst each other. With fear and with trembling. Why with fear and trembling? You know, it almost seems like, you know, are we supposed to have a spirit of fear? Didn't God not give us a spirit of fear? Why fear and trembling? Paul uses the phrase fear and trembling like three or four times in the New Testament. On my, in my Bible right here, the Bible I got right over on the next page in, in Ephesians 6 is just one book over. It says, I'll just read it to you. It says, servant, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. And then in, in, uh, second Corinthians chapter seven, verse 15, he's talking about Titus, how the Corinthians received Titus. It says, and his inward affection is more abundant toward you while he remembers the obedience you had, how with fear and trembling you received him. He's talking about this thing is not this, this is not just, hey, guys, come on. This is not just a suggestion. This is serious. This is critical. You, you continue to work out that salvation with fear and trembling. It, this is something that, that's absolutely critical. That's absolutely serious. And you do it in my absence because God himself is who you're serving. Do you ever feel, you ever had that experience? And don't tell me yet because you're lying if you have. You know, when, when somebody important's around... You kind of act different, kind of act different. You know, you, you kind of more you, you can even you can even do this deal. I mean, I can I can I can throw myself in the grease right here because, you know, sometimes somebody will say, hey, would you mind? And I'm, sure, I'll get that for you. That's not a big deal. And, you know, but on Saturday, Saturday evening when I'm at home, you know, and I'm working on these days, they'll say, hey, would you get that? you see me doing something? It's different when it's somebody else. How many of y'all at work? And when the boss comes, y'all try to look busy like you're doing something. Come on, y'all lying. Y'all know y'all lying. I'm going to just take a break here. When the boss shows up, you're like, "Mm, I'm busy. Look. Paul was there and they were like, look, you obeyed when I was there. He said, but now that I'm gone, now that I'm not around to be standing over your shoulder, I'm not there for you to try to impress. I'm not there for you to try to do all these things. He said, now that I'm gone, he said, now much more. 
Much more in my absence, you work out that salvation of fear and trembling. You know, you do it in fear and trembling because God is always there. He's always watching. You have one that is more important. Remember, it just said Jesus Christ has been exalted, given the name. There is no other name in heaven. Uh, Every knee is going to bow to his name and he is with you at all times. He said, I'll be with you and I'll be in you until the ends of the earth. He is there with you. He said, in fear and trembling, you work out that salvation. And so he's saying he uses it as you work it out in fear and trembling much more. Now, the context of what he's saying, let me I keep saying that. But let me go back. Look at verse chapter two, verse three. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Verse four, look, not every man upon his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then verses five through 11 is that section we did last week where it talks about Jesus is our example. And then he starts again in verse 12. So this is what I'm trying to tell y'all. Just as you already obeyed when I was there, you continue, you work out that salvation and fear and trembling. You be who you are. Now, if you're saying, if you're thinking to yourself, and this is what I was thinking this week, I understand what you're trying to say. You're trying to say, by working out my salvation, I'm to be what, I'm to be, follow the example of Christ, humble myself, think on the things of others, Uh, esteem others better than myself. I am to do these things. I am to live in the community. I am to, I am to invest myself in the people who make up the church of Jesus Christ. I'm to be part of the body, but man, that's hard. Couldn't you just say, you know, follow this rule and that rule and that rule and everything would be fine. I mean, when I try to invest myself, when I try to, when I try to love one another who, who, the ones that don't love me back, when I try to be in community with them and I end up getting hurt and I end up getting all these things happen, man, it's hard. I just want to disconnect. I just want to, to do my own thing. I just want to think on my own things. I don't want to think on the things of others. I just want to think on my own things. I don't want to esteem others better than myself because be honest, deep down in my heart, in my fleshly heart, they're not better than me. I don't think they are. And so, God, this is a hard command. If you've ever tried to just say, you know what, I'm going to do that. And you've been hurt, you've you've been whatever. It's a hard thing to do. How can I do that? Every time I've tried, this is what you might be saying, every time I've tried, I got hurt. Every time I've tried, I failed. Even when I tried with all my might, with all my strength, with all my heart, I failed. And when I fail, you know what happens? I I feel like a failure. I get despair and I get, you know, I, I just can't do what he's telling me to do. I can't be who he's telling me to be. And Paul knows that. So in the next verse, he says, look, I want you to I want you to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling for because it is God which works in you. It's God which works in you both to will and to do of his good, good pleasure. Understand, he's not saying, hey guys, just pull up your bootstraps and do it. What's wrong with you people? Can't you just come on and, and just be who I've made you to be? Can't you just come on and do right? Can't you just come on and love one another? He's not saying that at all. He's saying you work because God is working. God is the one who gives you the will. 
the desire. It says he's working in you both to what? To will. He's given you the desire to do it. And he's given you the ability to do it. The, the will to do and to, to will and to do for his good pleasure. Why do you do what you do? Why do you try? This is one, one thing Brother Ed told me a long time ago, and I'm sure he's told you all too. It stuck with me. He says, you do what you do for Christ, not just for you guys, although y'all are great. You do what you do for Christ because people are always going to let you down. So what he says is God is working in you to will and to do so we can please him for his good pleasure. Not to please you, not to please me, not to please those things. Paul said, look, I'm not there. He said, as you obeyed when I was there, he says, you continue much more now that I'm absent because God is working in you to will and to do for his good pleasure, of his good pleasure, so you can live to please him. You ever thought about that? That person that you really don't like, that always grates on your nerves, for you to love that person who's in fellowship with the body, that pleases God. You ever thought about it that way, that it pleases God? Most of the time, I, I know I don't, most of the time I'm thinking, but, I am not. I don't deserve that. I'm not hanging with them. I'm not doing it. But you ever thought about it pleases God. It pleases God when you esteem others better than yourself, when you think on the things of others and not just it pleases God. That's why he gave us that whole example of Jesus who humbled himself. And he took on the form of a man, took on the form of a servant, humbled himself unto death, not just any death, but the death on the cross. It pleased the father because after he did it, it says, and God exalted him to the highest point. God, the father gave him a name, which is above all names at every at the name of Jesus. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. It pleases God. For you to think on the things of others, for me to think on the things of others, for me to esteem others better than myself. It it pleases God, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, think about this. In these two verses, I may not get past these two verses because there's just so much here. There's two ditches. Are y'all awake? Say amen. Amen. Okay. There's two ditches that you got to stay out of. Now, salvation is a work of God. You didn't do nothing to earn it. You don't do nothing to maintain it. It's all God. God was working 2000 years ago before you were born. God was working as the gospel was going forth and you heard it. God was working as the Holy Spirit came and convicted your heart and molded you and changed you and caused you to be convicted of your sin. God is all of salvation is of God, not of you. But living this Christian life, now that you are born again, if you are born again, living this Christian life, there's two ditches you can fall into. The first ditch says, I just got to do it. It's all in my own strength. It's all in my own power. I just got to pull up my bootstraps and suck it up and be a man and do it. Good luck. You're going to fail every time. In your own strength, in your own power, you're going to fail. I tell you what, I have made up my mind this time. I am going to be this and that. I'm going to do this and that. You'll go back. You'll go back to who you are. You'll go back to what you do. If in your own flesh you try to do, live this Christian life, you'll go back to right who you were. 
That's one ditch. You can't fall into the ditch of saying, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to set my mind to it. I've made a decision. I am going to, I'm going to, out of the sheer force of my will, I am going to be better. I am going to love people. I'm going to do what Christ has called me to do. The other ditch is the guy who says, well, I just am who I am. I'm going to just lay back and sit right here till God hits me with holiness. He's just going, sooner or later, a life of holiness is just going to fall down out of the sky. If God wants it done, he's going to do it himself. I ain't going to have to worry about it. So, I mean, I am who I am. If God wants to change me, he's going to have to change me. So I'm just going to lay back and, you know, that phrase, is, it says, let go and let God. I don't like that phrase. Now, I understand what people mean by it, so it's not wrong. You know, when we talk about things in your life that circumstances you can't control, worries you have, you know, things that, that God's in control of and you just need to just let God handle it, then yeah, let go and let God. I got it. That's real. It's right. And nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to living this Christian life, it's work. God, Christ calls us, the Bible calls us to endure as good soldiers. He calls us to run the race that's set before us. He calls to fight. He calls the, Paul said, I've fought the good fight. I have run the race that's before me. He, he calls us to try to apprehend that which has apprehended me. He calls us to action. And so there's a balance. I strive for the goal of the high calling. I strive to be who God has called me to be, not in my own power and my own strength, but because God is working in me to will and to do according to his good pleasure. You see, if you go on the one side and say, you know what, I'm just not good and I got to do it. Guess what? Welcome to the human race. None of us are good. None of us can do it. If you've tried in your own flesh and you keep failing, that's because you're doing it in your own flesh. Any of us. You cannot be who God's called you to be in your own strength. But in your weakness, God's power is made strong and he can he can mold you and make you into who you're called to be. But that does not mean that you sit home in the recliner and wait for it to zap you. That doesn't mean that you sit back and say, you know what, I'm just going to I'm just going to lay back and let God just take care of this whole thing. And I'm not going to help anybody. I'm not going to witness for Christ. I'm not going to love one another. I'm not going to bother with the assembling of ourselves together. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. If God wants to change me, he's going to have to just come on down and change me. I'm sorry. It don't work like that. He tells them in these two verses, verses 12 and 13. He says, work out your salvation because it is God that's working. Do you see how both of them are true? You work because God is working. You strive because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and it's moving you. It's causing you to be and you are going to grow in holiness. You are going to grow in your love. The, the fruits of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and long suffering and all of those things. The more you are involved with God's bride, with Christ's bride, with his people, the more you're going to grow in love. The more you're going to grow in long suffering and patience because people are going to try your patience over and over again. The more that you are working out your salvation, you are exercising your salvation, the more God is going to work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, quickly, just as we, we're running out of time, 
uh, pretty much out of time anyway. The power that he gives us for God's power to do and to will and to do of his good pleasure. I'm probably going to have to get the next few verses next week. But let me just tell you what's what what it's what it's saying. In verse 14, he goes back to the same context that we came from. All of this has been part of one long sermon to tell us to love one another, to tell us to esteem one another, to tell us to think on the things of others. What does it look like for me to work out my salvation because God is working in me to will and to do? What does it look like? For me to follow after Christ who humbled himself and became a man. What does it look like? It looks like this. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Now, when you hear that, you're thinking, you might as well tell me to jump over a 15-story building in a single bound. You might as well tell me to... That's why he told us all this before. You understand? In your own strength, you know what's going to happen? You're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to keep from disputing. Are you kidding? In your own power, you're not going to be able to do that. He said, but it's God that works in you. It's God that wills. The, the, it gives you the will and the ability to do these things. So really, we'll probably stop here and I'll pick it up right here next week. But hopefully if God allows. <laughs> but really... Here's the thing. It's easy for us to talk about unity in the church, unity of the body, loving one another. It's easy to talk about that as long as we're talking about it abstractly, as long as we're talking about it out there somewhere. You know, if I if I got all y'all together, if I got all the people that were here going to be here in the 1030 service and I line them all up and I ask them the question, should the church love one another Everybody's going to say, yeah, everybody's going to say the church should be unified together as we strive for the goal of advancing the gospel. Everybody should do that. But Paul doesn't allow his teaching in this passage to stay out there in the sky somewhere. It's not just some idea floating around. It's a real thing in your life. He says, do all things. He's talking about you. What do I do? What do I do? You do all things without murmuring and disputing. He says you do all things. Now, in order for that to be a reality, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to do exactly what Jesus did. You're going to have to humble yourself. You're going to have to esteem others better than yourself. You're going to have to. Otherwise, you know what happens? Disputing. Who do you think you are, man? You can't do You can't. You, you can't make me, you, you, you can't say those kind of things around me. You can't do that here. Who do you think you are? This ain't your church. This ain't, you can't do, I mean, it's going to be dispute after dispute after dispute. And then, you know what? If you do real good and you, and you, and you don't make a big dispute right there and you say, okay, look, I'm just going to humble myself. I'm not going to worry about it. You, you go on ahead. You, I'm going to think, you know what's going to happen? You're going to walk around the corner and go, ah, I wish that joker would good. And you're going to start murmuring. So he's saying not just, it's not just keep away from disputing. He's talking about your heart as well. Because you know as well as I do, I mean, I, I would be pretty good to say, okay, I'm just going to let you have your way. And then walk around the corner and be like, I wish that I should have knocked that joke out. 
Do you believe, Joe, do you believe what Frank just did? That's the way we are. But it says, it says, you be who I have made you. Understand, he has given us salvation. He's given us a new heart. He's given us, he's given us perfection. He's given us perfection. And now he's saying, you better exercise it. You better work it out. You better be who I've made you. It's just like me getting a new knee. I've got all the parts right there. I've got everything I need. I've got the strength. I've got, I've got everything. If you took an x-ray of my knee, it should be functioning on paper. It should be functioning perfectly. Everything's there. Everything's the way it should be. Why is it not? I have to exercise it. Because if I don't exercise it, I'm not going to be able to walk again. My first knee surgery was like in 97, 98. And like an intelligent 20-something-year-old that I was, uh, I didn't do the therapy. You know, they, were, they had me at the therapy deal. And, of course, you know, the therapy people, they tell you what to do. But, you know, nowadays they'll stand over and watch you. But back then they were like, okay, go do 40 squats. And then go do the, you know. And so she would turn around and do something, and I'd do 10. And I'd be like, I did 40. I'm done. And you know what happened? It wasn't ever the same again. Wasn't and there's nothing you can do about it. Now I've, I've had to have surgery on it again. But it was weak. And it was always weak. And I always favored the other leg because I didn't exercise it the way it was supposed to be. I didn't do the therapy the way I was supposed to be. And it was weak. And I couldn't, I couldn't cut when I was running and all those kind of things. And when I did, when I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push this thing... I had to have surgery again because it wasn't, it wasn't growing. It wasn't exercise. Paul's saying, look, exercise your salvation. You've got all the tools. If you've been born again, you've got all the tools. On paper, you take an x-ray of you. You're perfect in the eyes of the Father. You, you have all of those things. All you have to do now is just to be who you are. And the way that you do that is not just pull up your pants and say, I'm going to do it. He's, he's right. I need to change my ways. I'm going to start doing those things. You need to understand that you are unable. It's God who works in you to will and to do. But that does not mean that you don't strive for the goal of the high calling. It doesn't mean that you don't strive for the prize, that you don't endure as a good soldier. You work because God is working in you. All of this... It can apply to your life with Christ. It can apply to the commandments, you know, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. All of this applies to all of those things. And maybe there's some of you guys here today that, you know, you've had some, some sin going on in your life. You've had some struggles with some things and you're thinking, yeah, you know, that really applies to what I'm, I'm thinking. But understand, and it does, and it should. But understand that the context in this chapter is loving one another in the body of Christ. It's esteeming one another better than yourself in the body of Christ. It's not thinking of your own things, but thinking of the things of others in the body of Christ. And so what he's saying here is you and I have to, if you're going to grow, you will never, and I can't say this enough, I've said it a million times, 
You will never grow in Christ unless you are invested in the local body of Christ. Maybe here's not your place. You know, it's not just here that's the body of Christ. I'm not talking about the worldwide body of Christ. I'm talking about a local assembling together of believers. You will not grow, period. I can demonstrate it. I can prove it. You wonder why you're not growing in Christ. Wonder why you've not invested yourself in the body of Christ. I can almost draw a direct line to it at every time. And you know why that is? Because you don't grow in love until you, unless you've got people to love. Even the heathen love the people that love them. That's not a big deal. I know you love your kids and you love your wife and you love your parents. and you love, uh, the, he, the, it's, the pagans love the, those who love them. You won't grow in love until you have to love some people that may not be, may not be that lovely. You won't grow in patience. Until day after day, your patience is tried. You won't grow in long-suffering. You won't grow in peace until that peace is stretched just a little bit. Understand, you will not grow. You, your muscles won't grow unless you exercise them. And you will not grow in Christ unless you're working out that salvation. That you're working out, that you're exercising that salvation. Understand, he's talking about being part of the body of Christ. And he's going to continue. I know I keep harping on it. If we continue walking down through this chapter, next week we're going to talk more about this. We're going to talk about being a testimony for Christ. Your testimony, the testimony of Jesus Christ is damaged if you refuse to invest yourself in the body of Christ. It says it right here in the next couple of verses. And if you continue saying, you know what, I know he's right, but I just ain't got time for this. I'm not going to invest myself. You should question whether you're even part of the body of Christ. That's what Paul's going to say. Today, he says, you esteem others better than yourself. Live who, like who he has made you to be. Work out your salvation. It's serious in fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Thank you for...